1: It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman.
0: What's up? What's happening? Welcome in Take Command podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. I am coming to you from a top-secret location (laughs) studio in Las Vegas, Nevada. Off the strip, Logan.
1: I know. It it is like... the. I don't know if you want people to know him, but like that's like just a podcast studio that existed in the building you were in. Just like they put that in for use for people, which is crazy to me. But Welcome to 2024. So
0: They knew that I was coming. Uh, so, But I'll be back on Radio Row later today uh, talking all things Commanders, obviously. And, and as we get closer to the, the Super Bowl on Sunday, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about that game itself. Uh, if you are a listener to this show but not the radio show, you might want to dip into the radio show podcast feed. Because uh, I did have Dan Quinn on the radio show yesterday, which was nice. great. Uh, talking to DQ about a bunch of different stuff. So definitely check that interview out. But today here on Take Command, we're going to talk about the two main guys that Dan Quinn has hired. Uh, Logan and I obviously talked about it a little bit on the radio on monday which we then put in this podcast feed i can't believe that was monday by the way i was like in a different city is a different time uh but yeah uh, we talked about it a little bit but logan's watched a little bit more tape so we'll dive into that and then as promised the the chunk of today's episode is going to be on the senior bowls we uh finally get a chance to debrief from logan's trip to mobile but logan let's start off with cliff uh you've watched a little bit more of this offense and i, and I will say quickly on the front end for me the more I talk to people about Cliff, the more I like the hire. Um, we yeah. had Justin Pugh uh, crash the show yesterday, who played for him in Arizona. He really liked him. Um, you know, various people who have covered the league, worked in the league. Just the more people you talk to about him, um, and even DQ who said he's an elite competitor, which to me says this guy's going to work as hard as he needs to to figure it out. Smart guy, um, but just maybe not a head coach. Um, and yeah. if that's the case, as an OC, like, that's not our problem uh, in D.C. because he's he's doesn't have to deal with the defense, doesn't have to deal with running a team meeting, any of that stuff. So what what do you see and, and what more have you been able to find out about Cliff Kingsbury?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, all the stuff that Dan said in his presser, I think really holds true about a guy who, you know, understands kind of the basic tenets of, of offensive football in the NFL, like how to create space horizontally. He does it a little bit differently than like Kyle does or, you know, Sean or whoever, you know, even Mike McDaniel to a certain extent. There's a different identity there. But I think he understands how to like manipulate defenses. How to like his passing game stuff is really high level. You know, just understanding like, hey, if I get in this formation, like this is how they're going to match. This is the weak player. Let's see if we can exploit this matchup, find explosive plays that way. So I think there's a lot of like really high level stuff. I think the thing that that I get is that the more I watch it and the more I talk to people about him, uh, the thing that I have like reservations about is just like what's your protection plans? You know, because he is a pass game guy, and like sometimes you know he's a quarterback. And he uh, he played in the air raid and like, that's where the familiarity comes from. And like the, again, the concepts are good. It's just like, what are we going to do from a protection standpoint? If we're going to be five on five all the time, like what's the plan for that? And I think when you look at last year, like one of the issues that this team had was that they're in five on five protections a lot. And when you know what kind of protections you're in and when you don't really drill like the six man pros as much um, where the back stays in, or you don't give the quarterback some flexibility to kind of change some stuff teams can be manipulative of that. And I think you saw that in games last year, specifically against the Giants and against the uh, Miami Dolphins. So that's a concern that I have. And also, I think, again, passing game is great. I think you saw some really good stuff running the football in 2021. But a a reservation I do have is, like, how committed are you going to be to that? And I I don't think it's a coincidence that you look at the teams that are consistently – winning football games, the NFL, like they run the football effectively. And again, he doesn't need to be dynamic at it, but you got to be effective. And people say, oh, well, he ran the ball well in 2021. And I say, yes, but a lot of the nuance and a lot of the variations they had there came from the quarterback position. So are you going to be totally reliant on the quarterback running the football um, in the design run game? And if so, you need to make sure you get the right guy for that job. And then if that is the case, like how do you make sure that that guy is healthy throughout the year and, and and in a sustainable position to execute down the stretch when you need it and so those are some concerns that i do have but again i think all the things you said are 100 correct but i can be excited and have reservations at the same time i'm excited for the hire he's obviously a smart dude innovative guy understands nfl football all of that but the two reservations i have are just how do you kind of mature the offense from a protection and a run game standpoint
0: yeah, that totally makes sense. And I want to get Pew back on the show because he's an offensive lineman and could talk yeah, about that awesome. in detail. Yeah. Um, he literally, it was it was funny because I was, you know, kind of I saw that he was on Radio Row and I was like, man, I really want to get him on because Justin and I actually went to Syracuse together, right? And obviously he played for Cliff, so I was like, this will be fun. And he was gonna go on with Grant. It was his last thing for the day. He's literally getting on a plane after that interview, and then he goes and uh, Grant's got somebody else on and the producer that's kind of on site working for both shows, like literally holds up his iPhone and is like, do you want Pew for five minutes now? And I was like, and we, I was about to go to break and thank God I didn't toss a to break. So I was like, yes, Pew sits down. And we had like three minutes to talk ball. So we, I will reach back out to the people that were working with, with Pew, and we'll see if we can get him on the show to talk about this in more detail. But I did ask him, like, what do you make of, you know, as an O-lineman, like, what'd you make of the run game? He's like, I like it a lot. And I think it fits with what you have in Washington. Um, and I said, well, what, why do you say that? Like, what pieces are do you have in mind? And he said, I think Brian Robinson will be Fantastic in this run, this run scheme. He's like he reminds me a lot of James Conner, who so had a safe, monster yeah. year in in twenty twenty one. That gap scheme, downhill, like physical runner. Um, get him, get him vertical, and and watch him go. And um, I, I shouted this out on my radio show the other day, but Mark Bullock did a really good breakdown on his substack stack of, of some of the the innovative stuff that he does do in the run game in yeah. terms of you know, whether it's unbalanced lines or pulling, you know, some p- like power plays where instead of just pulling the guard, he pulls the guard and the tackle. But then I think the question becomes how does that stuff match up with the pass game and how does that match right. up with your play action game? And I, I don't know that that cohesion has existed to a level that I think like from a principal philosophical level, you and I see as a necessity to to right. have an optimized uh, offense in the NFL,
1: yeah, no, and I, and I agree. I think Brian Robinson's going to be great because I think one of the things, like when you watch in the games that I watched, you know, obviously James, uh, James Connor's a big, big guy. You know, I think he's like 6'2, 6'2, and a half, 235 pounds, so big old hoss of a man runs hard. And one of the things you love about this scheme is that because of the horizontal dispersion you create from a formation standpoint, guys don't have ideal angles to tackle the ball carrier. So when you get those big shoulders and those big backs running downhill, and they can read it out, like it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be tough for guys to have to make some plays. Like there was a there was a, cl- a clip in the week uh, nine matchup against San Francisco where they're running like a counter, and the corner comes up to fit it, and you know corners aren't you know in the NFL you have to fit runs, but that's not who you want doing that all the time, especially on a gap scheme counter. And uh, James Conner just runs him over like he's a speed bump, and there's no pursuit there. Because of how the run is set up. And so again, I do think there's a lot of innovative stuff there. It's just it it it's very quarterback centric and it's it's counter, it's power, and it's tight zone. So you know, how do you get to that in as many ways as possible? and one of the ways you said, on balance line, different personnels like put some window dressing on it. but from what I understand, he tends to be a guy that's very innovative from a pass game standpoint and kind of the run games an afterthought. I think, Based on what we've seen around the NFL, especially the last two years, like it's got to be it's got to be kind of a priority. And so I think it can be a priority for him. It's just about, you know, making sure that he sees, you know, like it's it's so refreshing hearing Dan Quinn talk about his blind spots and things he needs to work on and how the right. time away made him think that. And so does Cliff kind of have that same student mindset and say, hey, like, this is something I can be better at. You know, we did a good job in 21. We kind of lost it in 2022 like how do we get back to make sure we're dominant again in that category and uh because at times they were dominant like they ran the football very effectively and again there's a lot of stuff there to be excited about that's just one reservation i'm like i want to see i want to see kind of like how we're going to talk about this later but how you watch a prospects film you're excited about them i just want to see more you go watch them at the cedar bowl right like that's kind of what i'm waiting for for that final right. for that final judgment yeah another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner
0: check Yeah, it was interesting. So there's an interview that Cliff did with Sean McVay and Peter Schrager Uh, during uh, COVID at one point, Sean and Peter started a podcast because they were bored Um, and Cliff was a guest on it. And I'm about halfway through re-listening to it right now. And Cliff talks about how he and Sean both like they had commiserated over this, that when you're running the offense, it's really hard to find time to actually do that when you're the head coach, because, you know, Cliff is this famous, like get in at 4 a.m. guy. And he does that so that he can get in and like sit in his office and watch the tape. But he knows by seven, there's something else that he's going to have to do. Right, And I think being my my hope and clearly Dan's hope and and every fan listening's hope is that not having to have the team meeting to plan at 7 a.m. means he can get to some of that stuff that maybe wasn't he wasn't able to do fully and can keep that innovation and, and kind of that or, or prevent the stagnation that's happened in the second half of seasons, pretty much his entire career. That said though, I, I do think it's funny going back and, and looking at some of the stuff because record wise, he had the same problem at Texas tech that he did at Arizona yeah. start well, finish poorly. But like a lot of those finished poorly games, it's like, Oh, how did he get, how did he lose? He had Patrick Mahomes. And it's like, yeah, they lost 50 to 48. Like <laughs> Mahomes was throwing for 500 yards and they'd still lose because their defense was terrible. Um, and so I, I do think, as an OC, like I get why people are excited, I get why DQ gets them. Yeah. And it's ultimately going to come down to that competitiveness trait and, um, you know, competitiveness being met with humility. Um, do you do that review and and take that elite competitor thing that that DQ dropped on me uh, yesterday when talking about Cliff, and and have that reflection that Dan did and and have the humility to implement some of those changes, and, and then it comes out of staff too, like yeah. um, you know who's who's his O line coach is is going to be a big Huge. question to me, um, Huge. and oh, we should mention by the way uh, as we record this at eleven forty five Eastern on Thursday morning eight forty five uh, Pacific here in Vegas about 20 minutes ago, or maybe a little bit longer than that, 40 minutes ago, um, There's a report from ESPN that Brian Johnson, the former Eagles offensive coordinator, is going to be a part of the staff. What do you make of that as a guy who was a huge part of Jalen Hurts' development and it was one of the hot names and people thought he might be in the head coaching cycle this year before things went sideways in Philly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, uh, you know, I don't know that much about him. I do know that he has a reputation for being a very dynamic, energetic coach. And I think that's um, something that I think Dan Quinn values. And I think getting guys that have had experience with, a, teams in the division, and B, young quarterbacks, I think is invaluable. So I think additions like that are great. I think it's also great having guys that have been coordinators. You know, I think it's important to have that kind of global thought. And I think people forget how impactful that staff is in terms of presenting new ideologies to the to the head coach or to, to the coordinator, excuse me. So. Um, I think just having a a group of guys that are smart football guys that are, they kind of see it the same way. You know, he, um, he ran a version like a spread ish offense when he was at Florida, they ran a spread ish offense when he was in Philly, just kind of finding stuff that works um, and having guys that say like, Hey, we tried this, we tried this this way when I was in Florida, it worked pretty good. And then Cliff can kind of put that in the mixer and say, Oh, this works, this doesn't whatever. And I just also wanted to point out that like, while I have those reservations about Cliff like I'm extremely excited about the football mind, you know what I'm saying I'm extremely excited about that oh, yeah and I think um, you know and I, I'm excited to see how they flush out the staff because I know like uh, a strong staff can help a guy like that just be the best version of himself and help with some of that self-reflection and and growth that we were talking about.
0: Yeah, I think that well, I, I mean, he, he tried to bring uh the tight ends coach from Dallas and Dallas blocked it. Mm. Uh so there, there's already some attempts to try to get uh because there's a the tight ends coach from in Dallas trying to bring him in as the O line coach. Oh nice. Um and so That'd that got great, blocked. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gonna be interesting to see where they pull from. Um, can they get someone to make a lateral move or is there someone that got blown out on another staff It's just a part of a, a mega change that they they want to keep, um, but I think it's important, obviously, to get a bunch of guys that are going to pull in the same direction. Uh, they're trying to do that on defense. Obviously, that's why Dan hires Wit. They tried to get Al Harris to join, uh, and and Dallas said no to that. So uh, the the staffing battle between the Commanders and the Cowboys is is on here, and uh, unfortunately, the Commanders don't have a lot to offer. But we'll see ultimately uh, who they're able to pull in. As as Dan said. Uh, the other day. He's got a few more tricks up his sleeve. Um, one trick that he does have that I don't think has been applied yet is uh, assistant head coach. So right. that that can be a way to pull someone uh, away from somewhere else and offer them a title and thus a promotion that the the incumbent team can't turn down or can't deny. But uh, we'll see ultimately where that goes. Um, not to short the defense, so we will we will get to Joe Witt Jr. more in detail uh, another day. But and especially I think as they fill out that staff too. But any uh, any initial thoughts that you want to share on Joe Witt Jr. Uh, and and what he brings from Dallas? I'm
1: just extremely excited for the secondary here in Washington. I think they were you know they were kind of much maligned last year, but you know his his uh, Joe Witt's pedigree when it comes to secondaries is like insane. Like when you look at his resume, it's like Everywhere everywhere he's been, they like they lead the league in turnovers. They lead the league in interceptions. And it's like for not a year or two. It's for a long swaths of time. And so I'm, I'm extremely ecstatic to have a guy. And again, his father was a defensive back coach. So he's got this kind of lineage of defensive play. Um, and like when you watch Dallas, I think to that staff's credit, Dan and Witt's credit, like um, they just do such a great job of, of like knowing what to do. Like I had to pull clips for the show a couple of days ago. So I'm watching a lot of Dallas defense and I'm like, man, look at the communication on this short motion here. Look at how they're passing this off. We're not confused. Everyone's got who they're supposed to get. They're funneling people to their help. And that's something that I think it's it's common, but it's uncommon how well they do it. You know, and I think that there's not, it's not a coincidence that they're able to turn the football over at the rate they do. And I also think it's important to understand that the, whoever's coaching the defensive backs there, Al Harris, Witt, I'm sure has a little bit of influence on. He's the defensive pass game coordinator. Um, they understand what they had up front, too, in terms of pass rush. So how does the defense right. here change and evolve to fit the personnel? And uh, And again, I just think it's going to be a much cleaner group in the back end. They're just going to be much more dialed in. And I just think you are going just get much better production from guys like Forbes, guys like St. Juice, guys like Quan, guys that we've all been excited about because of their tremendous potential. And I think you've got a staff here that's specifically going to do a great job maximizing that skill set. And again, like to I got to point this out as well. Everywhere Dan goes, uh, the defensive line, uh, kind of I don't say regardless of personnel um because his defensive line background has a great rush plan each and every week that maximizes that group and that skill set so i again i think you're getting coaches in here that have specialties that are awesome and are going to help the players um here and again they're going to look to upgrade no doubt about it but i think the um all of a sudden the existing roster maybe doesn't look quite as as bleak as it did before and then it it does definitely become a retooling as opposed to rebuild like uh like he said in his press conference
0: yeah i asked him yesterday actually about how you go about evaluating uh who needs to be or like what positions need upgrades and maybe which guys are you know uh, which guys were just misused by the the previous staff And he said you know we just got to make cut-ups on every guy and we Mm -hmm. start in-house and like we don't we're not going to look out until we look in So they're going to review everybody here and see what they think they can do with them and then uh, invest in free agency in the draft in in the ways that they need. So uh, obviously a lot more to talk about as we continue to dive into the tape for that. Uh, And then Logan actually is going to have an interview with both coordinators as part of Command Center over on the Commander's YouTube page uh, next week. So after Logan gets a chance to talk to these guys, we'll debrief here on Take Command.